Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Activate Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Activate. It's, uh, it's 2019, you know? In fact, I've been planning for 2019 for such a long time. I feel like it's finally here. And, uh, and I, I actually love this time of the year. So it's the first service of 2019, which is, uh, which is great, which is exciting. feels very fresh. And uh, I, do, I love this time of year because, you know, around about this time, it feels like the shops, uh, uh, they're kind of a, maybe a little bit busier, but the roads are quiet and, and it's not busy on the road, and, and if, I don't know about you, but um, you can eat more at this time. Does, is anybody excited about that? You can, you can, it's, you know, it's all right. You can eat more at this time of year, and it just feels like we've sort of merged out of Christmas, but it's still holiday season, it's still relaxing. Everything moves just a little bit slower, doesn't it? So like for me, I, um, I actually bought a, uh, some stuff before Christmas, and uh, I, I bought, I'm, I'm going on holidays, uh, you know, I actually leave tonight right after our PM service to go to, uh, to go, you know, stay in the hotel and then we leave the next morning. But, but I bought uh, a GoPro for myself, which I told my wife was a present for our whole family. And, and so <laughs> I, I bought it and then it needed accessories, okay? So, so I, I bought some accessories and I ordered it before Christmas and I was hoping it was going to get here before the holidays. And then I had been working this week because some of us are still at work. So, so uh, I was working during the week and, uh, and then there was a knock at the door. And the, the delivery person came and they brought the things that I had bought. And I know that I paid for them and I was there when I ordered it online. But when it came to me, it felt like a gift. It feels like, cause, because it, it, somebody brought it into my office, you know, Sarah said something came for you. That sounds good, you know. And, and, and it came for me and I, she opened the door and it was a box and presents come in boxes. So, so to me, it felt like I had got a present for myself and I opened it. It was all the things that I wanted and I just said, you know, like, thank you, you know, past Ben. Thank you for getting this for me, for you. So, so I did it. It felt like that. And I think it's just so good sometimes when we can look back to our past and really appreciate what we did back there to help us where we are now. You know, like, wouldn't it be good if you could just live like that all the time? Well, you could do things in your past and in your present. You would just be so grateful for the way that you did those things back there so that now things can be even better for you. And it's 2019 and three of you made New Year's resolutions. So that's great. But it is quite a reflective time. And so people start to make plans and, you know, what am I going to do? And I, I just wondered about this. I wondered, what if, you know, last year you just learned some things? And this year, you just applied the things that you learned so that next year, you could be so glad that you did. Does that make sense? Well, what if we could just live like that? So I, I want to preach a message to you guys this morning called Figs and Favor. Figs and Favor. So I want to read this scripture to you. And this comes out of Jeremiah chapter 24. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to it. It's almost in the middle. And so Jeremiah is in the Old Testament. And if you uh, don't know who Jeremiah is, he is what we would call a prophet to, uh, to Israel, to the nation of Judah. 
and he speaks to them. So for those of you that are new to church or maybe don't understand how this works, a prophet is somebody that hears on behalf of God and then speaks to people so that they can hear God's message because some people, particularly at this time, they weren't able to hear God's voice, so he would speak through people like Jeremiah. And I want to read the scripture to you, but before I do, I feel like if I just jump straight into it and you had absolutely no context for what this scripture, where this, this takes place in Israel's history, not a lot is going to make sense. So just for those of you that wouldn't be aware, this takes place at a time in Israel's history where they had consistently walked away from God. They had consistently moved away from Him. In fact, you know, way back, if you go back even further in the book of Deuteronomy, uh, God says to His people, hey, listen, uh, if you choose me, you choose life. But if you choose to go in another direction and worship false gods and that, that's the path of death. So He made it really clear. He said, choose me, choose life go in other direction, and that would be death for you. And so, depending on which king was in power at the time, they would either head towards God, or the nation would head away from God. And so, for the, at this particular time, for many, many years, uh, Judah had been heading away from God. They had a number of kings that had continued to just move away from God. And so, at this point, God has now come to Judah, the nation of Judah, and he's really saying to them, you guys have not learned the lessons that I wanted to teach you. So now, uh, I, I, now punishment is coming. There's, there's no way around that. And he, and he speaks to them this passage, which comes out of Jeremiah chapter 24. It says this in verse 1. After Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had taken into exile from Jerusalem, Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, together with the officials of Judah, the craftsmen, the metal workers, and had brought them to Babylon. The Lord showed me this vision. Behold, two baskets of figs were placed uh, before the temple of the Lord. One basket had good figs, like first ripe figs. But the other basket had very bad figs, so that they could not be eaten. And the Lord said to me, What do you see, Jeremiah? It's not really a trick question. He said, What do you see, Jeremiah? He said, Figs. I see figs. The good figs very good, and the bad figs, very bad, so that they cannot be eaten. What a strange thing to show the prophet Jeremiah and uh, to just show him some figs. I'm going to explain what that's about in just a moment. Sometimes in a new season, you're still working through the past season. Sometimes you're in a new season, but you're still working through the season that you just came out of. I remember for me what that was like. I followed God when I was a kid, made a decision to follow Jesus. When I was older, I had walked away from him. I was 21 years old. I came back to know who he was. And how many of you would know that when I made that decision to follow Jesus, I'm 21 years old, great decision. And for me, it felt like a fresh start. Absolutely. You know. But I had made a whole heap of decisions as a teenager, 18, 19, 20, that I still had to work through, even though I was in a new season, started a fresh relationship with God, I still had to work through all the stuff that I had done before I actually knew Him. And sometimes that's what we do when we enter into a new season. We just have to work through what happened in the old one. 
For those of you that would be new to church and don't understand how this, how this works, I was far from God as a teenager. I was far from God at 18, 19, 20. And, and this is what you need to know about God. He offers a fresh start to people who ask for it. And no matter how many bad decisions that you've made, no matter how many regrets you may have in life, if you come to God and you say to him, I want to make a decision to let go of all of that stuff in my past and make a decision to begin to follow you, here's what the scripture says. He will remove what we call your sin, which is not, by the way, just some moral failure that you've made. Because sometimes we, we just want to oversimplify sin. Sin is when we fail in terms of our design and intention. When we make decisions that we wish we never made, we have regrets in life, mistakes that we made. And, and, and the scriptures say that God will remove your sin as far as the east is from the west if you make a decision to ask Jesus into your heart and to forgive you. So that's what I did. But I still had to work through some of the things that were in my past. This isn't really that hard to understand. This, you guys would know this, you know? So sometimes, we, you know, it's Christmas time, and at Christmas time, you want to buy good gifts for people, yeah? Okay, so not many generous people over this side. I'm going to try over here. feel a little more generous. They look more generous too, you know? So, so you, you want to buy gifts for people at Christmas time, and it can, be, it can tend to be kind of an expensive time. Christmas is a lot of things that you've got to pay for. So, you know, maybe you wanted to get great gifts for your kids or your parents, your friends, whatever. And when you can't afford it, there's only a couple of solutions here. So when you don't have money, the only way to buy things is on credit. So you buy things on credit and you put it on the credit card and Christmas Day comes and Christmas Day is fantastic. You know, the kids open up the presents, they're like, wow, this is so great, you got me what I wanted and you're like, and you did and it was great, right? But then January comes and you've got to pay for what you bought in December. And that's not hard to understand. You bought it then, you had a great time then, but you just got to pay for it later on. This happens all the time with people in different ways. For example, on New Year's Eve, people like to party. So some people, I'm just going to go ahead and say, some people like to over-party, okay? And so they wake up on Sunday morning or probably the afternoon, and they look back on how hard they partied the previous night, and they say, why did I party so hard? I'm never partying again. I'm not going to have that much party again, you know? And, and they have regret. I, that's it. I, I quit. I'm never, you know. Why? Because they regret how much they partied. It's good. They had to pay for it the next day. And, and this is so simple to understand. Sometimes we do things in our past that our future self would say, are you crazy? Why would you do that? And so, you know, at New Year's, what we do often, or maybe three or four of you, uh, we make New Year's resolutions. Some, some people do. And you know what a New Year's resolution is? It really is a decision that you're making, and it's a, something that you're changing, that you have probably already known for a long time that you need to change. You've known for a long time. Don't ask me why people delay good decisions for their life until after Christmas. Like if you know what to do, just do it. Why wait? But people make their resolutions at New Year's. And the word resolution is, is really comes from a Latin word, and it means to reduce things to their simplest form, to take a whole heap of ideas and reduce things to their simplest form. Let me give you an example of what this could look like. Let's just say 
I, uh, you know, and, and this next thing that I'm going to say, this is not for you, this is for the person sitting next to you, okay? Let's just say <laughs> that you um, have a whole heap of drama in your life. Let's just say that your relationships are complicated. And, and you know, there's, there's always drama. It's like you have so much gossip. There's just stuff that's going on all of the time. People are constantly disappointing you. People are constantly frustrating you, you know? And, and, and so, you know, you, you're one of these people that needs a fresh start, but like all the time. You defriend people on Facebook all the time and you add extra ones. You're always looking for new jobs. I just need a new job because I just feel like, man, if I just had a new job, that, that everything would, would be okay, right? But, but really, if all of these complications and all the relationships, you know, is the stuff that's going wrong in your life, have you ever considered, just politely considered, that maybe all of your problems don't belong to everyone else? I mean, the one thing that all your complicated relationships have in common <laughs> is you. <laughs> and have you considered that potentially that you are just a drama queen? And really, that's why all the stuff is going wrong in your life. So then if you were to say, oh, well, I need to fix all the relationships, and you were going to make a resolution about it, to say that you're a drama queen is not a solution. So if you're going to reduce that to its simplest form, just maybe, for the person next to you, just maybe you would say something like this year, I am not going to be oversensitive. Because if you can stop being oversensitive, imagine that all your relationships get better. So what you do is you make one big decision. You don't have to make a million decisions. You just have to make a couple of decisions that are going to help everything. See, out here, oftentimes what we're dealing with at the end and the results in the relationship, that's just the fruit. But oftentimes we don't need to deal with the fruit. You've got to trace that all the way back to the root and find out what that big issue really is in your life and start to deal with it. And you might find that as you start to change those core things, those really important things, your life begins to change. Because we make decisions quite often out of the patterns of our life. We sometimes just get caught up in the patterns. We have a certain way that we approach relationships. We have a certain way that we do our life and have a certain way that we approach our job. You know, we have, we have patterns. We have, we have habits, you know. In fact, did you know this, that uh, researchers at Duke University, they discovered that up to 40% of the decisions that you make every single day are habitual. That's nearly half of your daily decisions are bypassing your conscious mind and subconsciously you're just almost on autopilot. And we don't always think through very clearly all of the things that we're doing on autopilot. So it's almost like it's just kind of steering itself. And if you want to change your future, you need to understand your past. Let me ask you a question today. What is it that God has been trying to teach you? What lesson is he trying to teach you that you could now apply in your present life? Again, this is not hard. This is so simple. And really, the Bible speaks about this all the time. In fact, there's this timeless principle, which I love. I think about it all the time. It's the principle of sowing and reaping. 
Would you be familiar with it? Some of you, like half of you answered. So let me go ahead and explain how simple this is, all right? If I have apple seeds and I plant apple seeds today, tomorrow I'm going to grow an apple tree. Some of you are still confused. Let me try again. If I have orange seeds, you know, and I, I plant orange seeds in the ground, tomorrow I'm going to get an orange tree. And apple trees, now stay with me now, apple trees produce apples. And I know, and yeah. And orange trees produce oranges. Yes, that's right. So this is very simple, right, to understand. And even though this is really easy to understand, it's so fascinating to me how people can sow seeds in their present that they know they're going to regret in their future. It's so easy to do. See, if you want a better future, you've got to learn from your past mistakes so that what you have tomorrow is better than what you have today. And this is exactly what God is teaching Israel. FYI, God is such a committed teacher. He is more committed to my personal growth than I ever want him to be. Do you know, some of you people, some, some of you, especially if you're Christian, right? Some of you are crazy because you're going to say things like this, Lord, shape me, mold me, you know, do something new in my life. Are you crazy? <laughs> do you know what it feels like when God begins to shape you and mold you? So what he does, because he's so committed to your personal growth, he actually, he actually believes you when you say it. So he takes you up on your word. And suddenly there's a whole heap of shaping going on. And in the season of the shaping, you say, no, I don't want to be shaped anymore. He says, well, you already said it, right? Why? Because he's committed to your personal growth. See, this is the thing that you need to understand about God. His goal for you is not happiness. It's to grow your character. And sometimes your character grows best in a difficult season. Now, I'm not saying that God gave you the season. I mean, you're pretty good at doing that on your own, right? This is what I'm saying. People will plant seeds that they regret when things when they grow tomorrow. He may not have actually given you that season, but he'll take it and he'll begin to shape you out of it. And he'll be begin to mold you out of the season that you find yourself in. And I've found that the quickest way out of your season is just to learn the lesson I do this with my kids all the time. We repeat the same conversations over and over. Do you know, like I've discovered on holidays, my kids have two settings, bored and hungry. That's it. Dad, I'm bored. And I'm like, okay, well, let's find something fun to do. Dad, I'm hungry, right? And we just circumnavigate the same conversation. You know, it's no different with you or God. You know, sometimes we just circumnavigate the same mountain, the same problems over and over because we didn't learn what we were supposed to learn in one season and apply it to the next. So God, because he's committed to our growth, he seems to have this way of continuing to prolong the season until you get where he wants you to be. So I'm thinking like, what is it in your life right now that you seem to be repeating that you should have stopped years ago? Like, what is the pattern in your life right now that 
consistently comes up. Are you, are you facing the same kind of problems year in and year out, the same issues over and over because you didn't learn what God's been trying to teach you all this time? I was sitting down writing this message, and as I was thinking about it, I thought, man, there would be so many things in my life that I just instantly regretted doing. I'm sure of it. There would be so many. And so as I'm writing, I said to Sarah, I said, Sarah, I said, can you think of anything that I would have done? Just what, do you have any stories that come to mind where I would just instantly regret what I, uh, what I did? And she says to me, answers immediately, she goes, absolutely, I can think of lots of things that you did that were really stupid. <laughs> she says, um, I quote, where would you like me to begin? How? <laughs> it gets better. She goes, how about the time in 2007 when you were, uh, uh, you, you, we needed to replace the battery for the car and you were impatient and you were waiting for me to get out so that I could go down to the shops with you, but you didn't want to wait for me because you said I was taking too long. So instead of waiting for me, you went down to the shop and you bought that battery and then you put it in the passenger side seat. And do you remember what happened next, Ben? Do you remember when you drove around the corner and the battery fell over, but you didn't realize it? And, and, and when the battery acid began to leak out into the brand new car that we had just bought and the battery acid began to eat its way through our carpet and on the floor and the battery acid splashed up on the speaker and began to eat its way through the door. You, do you remember that? That was pretty stupid. <laughs> I learned so much in that moment. See, Jesus said, I will remove your sins as far as the east is from the west, but she never made that deal. <laughs> so you know, she, she has chronologically ordered my mistakes like they're indexed in her brain, and I tell you that she actually has a really great memory, which is a problem for me. <laughs> because if I ever want to know something dumb that I've done, Jesus is like, oh, it's in the past. Sarah's like, I can remember. I'll tell you all about it, <laughs> Right? And so we get to the end of this. One of the things that I learned out of this experience was to never ask my wife for anything that I've ever done wrong. That's a great lesson that I will not repeat for the rest of this year or the rest of my life, okay? But the, the thing, at the end of all of this, she goes, you, and, and do you know what the lesson was, right? So she's still teaching me. She goes, you remember the lesson? And I'm like, what is it? And she goes, you need to be more patient. I'm like, right, okay, okay, you know? So, so this is something, obviously, that Sarah felt that I needed to learn. And that was so frustrating to me. I remember that day when all of that happened, and it was frustrating, and it was irritating. But I've discovered this, that lessons are not always comfortable. You know, like lessons are sometimes really painful, and, and, and they're difficult. In fact, the writer of Hebrews, he said this in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 11. He says, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. See, this is the thing. When you're learning a lesson, it can be really difficult. It's hard sometimes. But this is what's really good about it. God loves you enough to change you. He loves you enough to bring you into that season. I think one of the most devastating things that God can ever do to a person is to just leave them alone. 
to never try to bring change into their life, to just leave them the way that they are. And that's why I say some of you are crazy when you start to sing, Lord, shape me, change me, mold me. He's like, okay, I'm going to do it. And then the season begins. And as the season, seasons are interesting, aren't they? Because seasons can sometimes be really short. It might be, it could be even a week, but a season could be years at a time. Seasons, they can be prolonged and they can be painful. He says it seems painful, but it produces something. And what it produces is peace. The fruit that comes with peace, the peace uh, and the fruit that comes with having that righteousness, you know? And then there's this asterisk at the end because he goes, for those who have been trained by it. So what I'm saying is, is it is possible to be in a season and not be trained by it. It's actually possible to receive discipline from God but never grow out of it. You never develop. It only works for those that have started to be trained by it. And sometimes when you start to get trained by it and you start to listen and lean into what God is saying, sometimes things can be difficult, but as you start to lean in and listen to Him, they can start to get better. But I've noticed something really interesting is that sometimes everything can be peaceful horizontally, but you got trouble vertically. So sometimes when it comes to your life, all the relationships around you, everything here is good, but everything here is in trouble. And the opposite can be true. Sometimes you can be totally at peace with God because you know that you're doing all the right things. You're obeying God. You're being obedient. You're listening to Him. But have you noticed that in this world, the more obedient you start to be, that the more trouble that there can be sometimes horizontally? And I don't know about you, but I, if I have to really think about which one do I want? Do I want peace with all the people or would I rather have peace with God? If I had to make a decision between the two, I know which one I want. Let me ask you a question. What lesson has God been teaching you that you already know needs to be changed? What lesson is he teaching you? Or has he been teaching you? In 2018, did you already know needs to be changed? But maybe you're not listening to. It's really easy, actually. If you, if you start to read the scriptures, all kinds of things start to come to your mind. For example, if in 2018, you're really bitter and twisted and bent up on the inside and mad and frustrated with other people, You've started to despise other people. I know the plans he has for you is to start to forgive people, to start to get some peace back in your life. I wonder what you've been experiencing last year that God is hoping that you're going to learn. My advice to you today would be to lean in, to listen up, and to learn quick. To lean in, to listen up, and to learn quick, because the nation of Judah, they did not do this. Through different prophets, God continued to come to the nation and say, you have to stop what you're doing. Don't you realize how destructive this is? Don't you realize you're choosing the path of death? Don't you know that right now you're sowing seeds in your present that later, if you reap them, will simply be destruction? 
Hence, he gives Jeremiah this vision of figs. Let me tell you how it works with God. You're free to make any decision you want, but you're not free from the consequences of the decisions that you've made. So you can do, you can do whatever you want, but you won't be free. You're free to do it. You're not free from the consequences of those decisions. See, sometimes we do things in our lives and we move into a new season, but the consequences of the previous season, they follow us into our present. Sometimes you know that they're just going to be waiting there for you in your future. And so God wanted to say to Israel and, and, and to Judah, at this very point, they already knew that punishment was on its way. He said, I have spoken to you for hundreds of years. You refuse to learn the lesson. See, if you don't learn the lesson, sometimes God just ups the ante. So he, he just ups the ante and he says, because he's committed to teaching people, right? So he, he says, I'm going to find a way to teach you this lesson because if you can learn what I'm talking about, you will be eternally grateful for me teaching you this lesson. So he, he says, look, punishment is coming, but he gives them a choice. And this is what he says. You have a choice of two things. Number one, you can come what he calls under the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, which means that you'll go into exile and Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, that he will rule over you. So you can come under the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar or you can pres presume on the, on the kindness of God and think that he's just going to relent and he's just not going to teach you that lesson. And that's the two baskets of figs that I'm talking about. In Jerusalem, so let me explain the figs. In Jerusalem, they were the bad figs. They were the bad people. See, when Nebuchadnezzar carried some of the people off into exile to take them to Babylon, he left some behind in Jerusalem. In fact, he took the king of Judah, but he appointed the king's uncle to be the new king in Judah, and the people that were carried off, they were the good figs. Let me just revisit that for you. The bad figs didn't go into slavery and they got to be by themselves in Jerusalem, still under the rule of Nebuchadnezzar, but they got to live in their own city. They got to stay there, right? They were the bad figs. The good figs were the ones that were carried off into exile. Is it just me or does that seem unreasonable? Like when you look at that, don't you like me think, hang on, wait a minute, how come the bad ones got to stay and the good ones were carried away? And sometimes things like that, you know, they really, they don't make sense to us. Do you ever feel like that sometimes? Like sometimes when you see that people that are doing the wrong thing, they seem to walk in blessing, they seem to be getting away with it. Like maybe you're in, you're in business and you've seen other people that you work with alongside. They uh, cheat and they lie and they steal and they get promoted ahead of you. Have you ever experienced that? People that are just foolish that do the wrong thing consistently and you know that they don't have a great relationship with God and they seem to be getting promoted and you, you don't seem to be able to walk in that favor. Isn't it kind of frustrating when you see favor be extended to people that you think don't seem to deserve it? Well, you know, you know someone that runs a business and they just have bad business practice. You know, they lie about their taxes and, and everything, but they're becoming profitable. And sometimes we look at that stuff and we think, this world is crazy. So much for following God. I mean, I'm doing the right thing, but I don't seem to be getting anything out of it. And if you've ever felt like that, I'm telling you right now, you are not alone. In fact, listen to this. This is what the psalmist says. 
In Psalm 73, the psalmist writes, Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. Verse 3, he says, For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. I was envious of them when I saw how they would prosper. And then, I'm, I'm going to save you the trouble. He complains a lot. But he ends here. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed a wearisome task. And please lean into this. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, and then I discerned their end. It's amazing what getting with God will do for your perspective. Like sometimes you see things that just frustrate you, and you're mad, and you're disappointed, and you can't understand it. The prosperity, the arrogant, the wicked, whatever it is in your mind. You know, that guy at work that got promoted ahead of you and doesn't deserve it. You know, he's doing all the wrong stuff and lying about his sales and everything. And everything is going to collapse next quarter, but whatever. He's, he's got promoted and he did what he was trying to do. Right? And you see that and you get frustrated. It's amazing what prayer will do for your perspective. When you get before God and, and, and the psalmist says, I was nearly, my feet nearly slipped. I was starting to get really mad until I discerned their end. See, in Jerusalem, God did what I would say is probably the worst thing he could do to those people. He abandoned them to their own choices. Don't get me wrong, the whole time that they were in Jerusalem, they were, he was continuing to speak through the prophet Jeremiah to say, stop what you're doing. Can you believe this? Even after King Nebuchadnezzar took the king and some of the people away into exile, after that, you'd think they will reform, they will repent. Nope, their hearts were so hard, they refused to make that decision. And God continued to speak to them through Jeremiah and they would not listen. In fact, get this, they got in a guy called Hananiah who was a prophet, a false prophet, and he started to say to them, no, 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 it's all good. Nebuchadnezzar is not gonna come for you. You don't have to worry about receiving punishment. It's all good. It's all grace all the time. You know, I'm telling you right now, people can find a Hananiah wherever they want. You, ever, you, know, you just need to look for someone that takes on your offense, yeah? Or someone that takes on your bitterness. Someone that agrees with you and says to you, you don't need to change. It's everyone else that needs to change. And even though that conversation would bring you peace, you know it's sowing seeds against your future. Sometimes the best thing you can do, honestly, is just have a difficult conversation with a person that actually loves you. Because if you don't, you rob yourself of all of the growth that you'd get if you didn't have that conversation. So let me just tell you what happened to everybody in Jerusalem who found peace in the prophecy of Hananiah but didn't listen to Jeremiah. This is what happened next. Nine years after the first exiles were taken away, nine years later, King Nebuchadnezzar lays siege to the city because the king was in a revolt against Nebuchadnezzar. They lay siege to the city. And for two years, the city begins to starve. They were desperate, they were hungry, they're running out of food, they're running out of water. It was horrible. They even turned to cannibalism because they were so hungry. No one was, nothing was coming in and no one was going out. And the king could see the writing on the wall. So you know what he said? He says, I've got to get out of here. So one day they get through the wall to the city and they begin to make a break for it. And as they make a break for it, it says that King Nebuchadnezzar, his people, they catch them in the process of trying to make a mistake. 
and they take the king and his sons and they bring them back to Jerusalem. And then King Nebuchadnezzar, he kills the king's sons in front of the king. Then they gouge out his eyes so it would be the last thing that he would ever see. Then they take him off to Jerusalem. See, I'm telling you, one of the worst things that God can do is just abandon you to the decisions that you want to make for your own life. You actually, whether you realize it or not, you want him to change you. And even through the painful process and seasons of change, you want to be shaped. You want to be molded. You may not enjoy it in the season, but it pays dividends after. Can I tell you what happened to the rest of the people that were the first exiles, the ones that were good, that we thought was unfair, that they were taken away? This is what it says. Jeremiah 24, verse 4, it says, And when the word of the Lord came to me, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Like these good figs, so I will regard as good the exiles from Judah, whom I have sent away from this place to the land of the Chaldeans. I will set my eyes on them for good, and I will bring them back to this land. I will build them up and not tear them down. I will plant them and not pluck them up. I will give them a heart to know that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God, for they shall return to me with their whole heart. The people that were in the first exile that were taken away to Babylon, in that place, they grew. They had families, no threat of war. They were blessed amazingly. And yet, when you look at the story from the beginning, it kind of seems unfair that they would be the ones that were taken away. But it was in that very place that God intended to bless them. It was in that space that he would protect them to keep them safe. Why? Because in that place, they would lean in. They would listen up. 